this episode of That's What G Said Podcast is brought to you by Sarah Candle Company. SarahCandles.com is the website. It is a great holiday gift. The goal of this company was to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and the highest quality that anyone can enjoy. Here's why Sarah Candles are the best. They're all natural. Soy wax is free from toxins and the toxins that are found in the paraffin wax, which is used by a lot of the other leading brands. The all natural soy wax will actually hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. 100% lead free cotton wicks, completely natural scents, made in micro batches and hand poured to ensure the highest quality. 100% locally sourced and handcrafted in the USA. They have 25 different scents available. Uh, you can look. They even have some holiday scents, uh, things starting from amberwood, apple, and spice, probably the favorite of many out there, Del Mar, another one of the, uh, the scents that they have. They're fragrance oils infused with natural essential oils. They have the best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable pricing, longer burning, none of those toxins, carcinogens, or pollutants that are present in paraffin wax. There are instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean and ensure the perfect burn. Like anything, we have to take care of these candles if we want to get the best out of them. And when we're lighting a flame, we want to be as safe as possible. They, this, this company was created by people who love candles. They started out experimenting. They were trying to find the perfect candle. And now this blossomed into Sarah Candle Company. Through their research, they were able to discover the benefits of all natural soy wax. Perfect gift. And you can get a little bonus when you use the promo code GINO, 10% off your entire purchase. And if you go to the website right now, you can find out that if you if your purchase is over $50 and you use the promo code that's on their website, which is SHIP50, you'll actually get free shipping on all orders of $50. Lots to uh, take advantage of there, Sarah Camp. On this episode of That's What G Said, we have a couple interviews. First, we're going to talk with... Andrew Champagne. We're going to talk a little Gulfstream Park for Saturday. We're going to talk uh, some NFL games for the weekend. We have Michael Gagliano coming on. We're going to talk a little Fairgrounds, and he's down in Louisiana, so we're going to talk about the Saints, and he's also a, a lifelong Packers fan, so we'll talk a little Packers there. Craig Milkowski from Timeform US will come on and talk about Remington Park. They have the Springboard Mile on Sunday, so we're going to talk a couple of the Remington races there. We will. Uh, I will then recap my horse racing best bets for the weekend for Saturday and Sunday. We'll get you the NFL game previews and a recap of our best bets. Do not go anywhere. It's an action-packed episode of That's What G Said. Joey Cleveland bringing us in here to another episode of That's What G Said podcast. We're going to get right into it today because we have a... Uh, a busy, busy show with three guests on tap. We have horse racing wagers to talk about and some NFL game preview. So we won't waste any time at all. We're going to get right into it. First up, Andrew Champagne. We're going to talk about Gulfstream Park with Andrew. A couple of races uh, that Andrew likes, uh, likes some plays in. And we're also going to talk some NFL games for the weekend. Andrew has four spots in the NFL game. So sit back and enjoy some Gulfstream discussion and some talk about the uh, NFL. Our good friend Andrew Champagne going to be joining us again in just a second. You know Andrew from uh, covering the races, DRF, used to work with me over at TVG. He was uh, a uh, well, formerly a HRTV now transitioned into its XBTV for the most part. But we've seen Andrew as kind of a jack-of-all-trades in horse racing. And now he actually does some uh, 
some sport. He's covered some sports also. Andrew, as I welcome you in, tell the folks you're you're actually doing some sports write ups. I see weekly. Uh, let everybody know where are you right now and what are some of the uh, the gigs that you currently have. Well, I'm wearing a lot of hats. Uh, I am out of racing full-time. I'm working for Life Chiropractic College West, but I've been able to uh, keep my hand in the game from a freelance standpoint. I do a lot of work over with the folks at Odds Checker US profiling two-year-old races, and lately I've also been uh, taking to producing some content on my Twitter feed at Andrew Champagne with a focus on the NFL. In NFL picks on Twitter, I'm 24 and 20 on the season, so I've actually been doing all right. Nice. There's a couple of games that I really like this weekend, and I know we'll get to talking about those. I've also got a couple of horses that I like on Saturday at Gulfstream. You told me it was a good card. I was not disappointed. There's a couple of really good races on there, and I'm looking forward to seeing if I can make a couple of bucks. And uh, I want to mention also your YouTube channel. I've uh, I yeah. had some fun on um, on seeing some of the videos. The one in particular that you did up on the uh, the Northern California fairs. Uh, it was really, really fun. So that's another good thing that I wanted to mention. I, I've seen some really good content from you, and I'm gonna have to uh, pay you a few bucks to help me do some videos for my <laughs> YouTube channel so I can start getting it boosted. Because I love what you're doing over there. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and thanks again for the reminder. Yeah, I just started that up a little while ago. I got a YouTube channel. Go on there, search for Andrew Champagne. My stuff should come up. The newest video from there is a trip I took to Las Vegas over the Thanksgiving holiday, and that was a lot of fun. Wound up ending that with a couple of really nice scores. Including a pick four over at Zia Park So uh, it was a lot of fun My dad and I do a couple of trips there every year And uh, if you want to see where I come from As far as the apple not falling far from the tree My dad makes an appearance in that video And uh, he was not happy with somebody taking the dealer's bus card So that was a pretty good rant <laughs> I love good old Dave Champagne He's funny, you got a great personality So uh, make sure to check that out Let's uh, Let's jump right into the good stuff Let's get right into Gulfstream Park As you mentioned, you know these last few weeks, I've been pretty impressed with just the post Breeders' Cup like weekend cards. It seems like each weekend, at least one or two tracks will have a really good card. And now we're into that Gulfstream part of the year where they have these deep, deep races. And you look at the Saturday card, and it's just, um, you know, there are four or five races that you can really sink your teeth into. You've picked out a couple, and uh, they're stakes races. So let's jump into race number six. Which is the grade three sugar swirl This is a six furlong race for fillies and mares Three year olds and up $100,000 purse Six furlongs uh, is the trip And you like a horse that's going to be Probably sitting a little bit off the pace So take the race away and, and break it down for us Sure, there's a nine horse field in here And six or seven of these horses Really need the lead That's a recipe for a pace meltdown Even going as short as six furlongs If they go 21 and change to the quarter 44 or so to the half It's going to be a stagger fest turning for home I'll be going too deep in a lot of the multi-race exotics My top pick makes a little bit of sense From a logical standpoint And that's Stormy Embrace, number six in your program She's six to one on the morning line I think she's going to go off a little bit shorter than that I think four to one or nine to two is a reasonable explanation. And that hits me as a pretty fair price. She's won a couple of graded stakes races at Gulfstream in the past. And I think she's going to be dangerous sitting just off the pace. However, I also need to use a big price breaking towards the inside. And that's number one, Ms. Meshack. She likes Gulfstream and she should be rolling late. She may very well be this race's lone stone closer. And the faster they go early, the better her chances are of collecting a pretty nice check. Maybe she's not good enough for this kind of a field. It's a grade three stakes race and it's a pretty salty group. But 
from a pace makes the race standpoint, I think she is a must use, especially if you're an exotics player. If you're looking at exactas and trifectas and you need a big price to throw in on the bottom legs, I think that's the one you use. So I'll go six one in race number six, the sugar swirl. And I'm gonna kind of piggyback your angle and and give people another horse. To use in the bottom of your exotics Kind of going with you I think you have the right horse in Stormy Embrace I think that's the horse If you're looking for a horse to, to bet to win I would play Stormy Embrace at Like anything over 7-2 to two or so like To me that, that's the price That's the play But if you're playing tries supers And you're looking for those bottom horses I think the 7 can fall into the race For some of the same reasons that you said Just because she's not as fast As some of the others in here And I think that will put her in a stocking trip And you'll notice like her Closing numbers aren't quite as strong as some of the others, but she could really trip out in here. Not nearly as good as some of the best, but just from a pure how this race is going to unfold, can she just fall into third or fourth and spice up the bottom of your exotics? I think absolutely with the way that we see this race unfolding early on with a lot of speed. So I'm with you. I think you you've pinpointed the the horse to win, and I think hopefully we can find a. A couple underneath exotic horses to use at big prices with the one Miss Meshack, and then I think maybe throw in the seven pretty greely more for the bottom of your exotics. I'm not even as as sold on pretty greely on the win end. Maybe you flop in in, in one uh, of your rolling pick threes or however you're playing the race, but just from a, a pure underneath standpoint, because I think we see this race very similar with how this pace is unfolding. Yeah, and while this race is pretty salty from a grade three standpoint. These are still grade three horses. They're not grade one horses that are accustomed to going 21 and change to the mm-hmm. quarter, 44 to the half. When they turn for home after those kind of fractions, which one of the front runners do you trust? I don't trust any of them after going that fast. I think this race falls apart, and I think the horses that don't need the lead are going to be in a really good spot when the real running starts. And then we're going to move to race number eight. Which is uh, another graded stakes race It's the grade 3 Rampart $100,000 for Phillies and Mares 3 year olds And up traveling a mile And it is the one turn mile there at Gulfstream Park So where do you Start in this 8th race? Well it's an 11 horse field So you're going to get a price on whatever horse you like All due respect to morning line people They have a very difficult job Nobody ever says when they nail a morning line And everyone ends up to bash them Applaud that guy Applaud that guy or gal for that awesome morning line (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and nobody says that But everyone lines up whenever somebody gets it wrong I need to point something out here Number 9 backer of fashion is the morning line choice I don't think she goes off favored I understand she's been pretty impressive The last two starts for trainer Peter Walter But I can't see her going off favored Given that the mile is a completely new test for her She stretches out from six and a half furlongs And I think five to two Way too short of a price I really hope that morning line holds up though Because I think the second choice May very well be my best bet of the day That's number 11 Cookie Dough Who comes back into the barn of Stanley Gold After a couple of starts for Kieran McLaughlin Earlier this year, she was running in some pretty high-profile races, and she earned some pretty big paychecks. I think going back to her favorite track, going back to a trainer she's done great work for, that she is the horse to beat. She's 7-2 to on the morning line. I would love it if we got that price. I, I'm with you. If you're playing late rolling exotics, um, this is the start of a late pick four. I think you have to use cookie dough. The one horse that I want to mention um, as maybe a compliment to Cookie Dough As far as the running styles are concerned Is the number 4 Pink Sands Now if, if Cookie Dough runs her race And she's back to the Cookie Dough That she was earlier in the year I think she beats this field just like you But let's say that Cookie Dough gets caught up In some kind of a pace battle Maybe the 9 backer at fashion Maybe tweeting Maybe a couple other the others in here Make it a little bit too tough on Cookie Dough early on 
That might be where Pink Sands can come into play And so maybe throw Pink Sands into some of your exotics here A horse who got shuffled back to last uh, At the start last time out Then had to wait behind horses Then had to angle to the five path And and closed really well to just miss second And that was over at Aqueduct If you look at the two and three back races I really like that group at Churchill The Go Google Yourself, Moonlight Garden, My Lady Curlin That's a pretty decent group of Older fillies and mares And I think Pink Sands was just overmatched in there You see Golden Award prior to that And she's a Julie and Wowcat That might have been a group that was just a little bit too tough I like the fact that when you go back to February of last year She doesn't have to be so far back At Gulfstream Park She's actually run well where she can Kind of stay within striking range So maybe she doesn't have to be way out of it in here And maybe she can compliment Cookie Dough And pick up the pieces there with the number 4 Pink Sands, one of the horses that I would include In the uh in the 8th there at Gulfstream Park So the 11, Cookie Dough for Andrew And for me, the number 4, Pink Sands But I won't be uh, against Cookie Dough In any way, shape, or form I think she is no doubt the class of the field So a couple plays at Gulfstream Park Now let's jump over to the NFL And Interesting week coming up And I think what might be uh, A problem for you is that You sent me uh, information about 4 games that you like And 4 different plays And 2 of them are two of my four plays this week <laughs> So that might be where we're in trouble Because we're seeing this slate Very, very well I think your first uh, play of the week Is in the Green Bay-Chicago game Yeah, this line opened up With Green Bay as a seven-point favorite It has gone down to a four-point spread And Gino, for the life of me I can't understand why I understand that Chicago's been playing A little bit better the past couple of weeks but they've also been playing against far weaker teams than the one they line up against on Sunday. The Packers may very well be underrated despite being 10 and three. This is a good all around football team with Aaron Rodgers getting back to his peak form. And I think the Packers are going to win this game pretty easily. Four points to me, way too small of a spread. I'll take green Bay and I'll give the points. Yeah. And to, um, and I just piggyback on some of your, uh, your points here with green Bay. I like green Bay this week. Also, they're 24-15-2 against the spread as a home favorite, 4-3 and three this year. They are 6-0 and oh against the spread in their last six following and against the spread loss. I think last week was a game where it never really felt like they were going to lose. They were in control throughout. They were just playing a little bit flat, and it might have been because they have a couple big division games coming up. And, and so they may have just been looking ahead. It's hard to get pumped up when you play the teams like Washington who like are just – Bad teams and they don't have a lot going for them So you just kind of assume that you're going to handle them And you don't really you Fire on all cylinders Trubisky's playing really well you mentioned But Green Bay is 5-1 and one against the spread This year against teams with a winning record They've actually played really well against the better teams The Bears are 0-4 Against the spread in their last four road games I'm with you let's go Green Bay In here 4 is way too low 4.5, 5 I'm fine with Like Anything up to 6 I would definitely be on the Green Bay side to me That that four I saw and the four and a halfs out there Just seemed way, way, way too low I would even consider them Given the original spread of seven points Sure, I think anything the under Packers, the touchdown Yeah, yeah. I think if the Packers come out and play their game They're going to be by far the better team And I think they win comfortably So this is probably my best bet of the weekend Actually, that's the reason I, I led off with it There's a couple more games that I like But I love the Packers on Sunday Yeah, and they're battling for uh, home field advantage They're right in the mix too So they, and they they can't have a lull. Minnesota's still breathing down their neck, and Minnesota's got a game against them still to come. So they can't they can't have a flat spot, and I don't expect them to in a divisional game here. Uh, let's move to your second game. It's going to be in the Patriots Bengals game. 
Yes. And this game has been the subject of some controversy with the Patriots video team potentially doing <laughs> really things, the Patriots. But... No, no, they're clean. They're squeaky clean. Regardless of that, I have a question <laughs> for you, Gino. Who's going to score in this game? I don't know. Exactly. And that's why I really like the under the total that I saw was 41 and a half. To me, this strikes me as a 24 to 10 kind of game. New England has struggled to move the football, but they've got an excellent defense and Cincinnati is Cincinnati. I'm sorry. Andy Dalton doesn't strike fear into me, especially going against that defense. Again, it hits me as a 24-10 kind of game. That would still be a comfortable cover under 41 and a half for me in the Patriots-Bengals game. And the Bengals last week, they scored one touchdown and three field goals in five trips to the red zone against the Browns. And now they have to play. And let's say this. The Browns defense is not just the abysmal. Like the Browns actually have some talent there, but their defense is not a top, top tier defense like this Patriots defense is. And in the Bengals recent games, the last eight games, their under is six, one and one against the spread. So the under is hitting in basically every Bengals game uh, in half of this season. Uh, I think you have some really good reasons to play the under in that Pats Bengals game. We're going to move to your third play. It's going to be in the Miami Giants game. If you like watching games that you bet on, I would probably <laughs> suggest you avoid this game because it is going to be very ugly. However, the spread intrigues me a little bit from a gambling perspective. The Giants might have quit on their coach. They've just released a starting cornerback in Janoris Jenkins for a Twitter episode that I'm not going to go into because it's just so regrettable on so many levels. Even after that transaction, the Giants are three and a half point favorites. With all due respect, I don't think the Giants should be favored over anybody right now. Make no mistake, Miami is not good. I'm not even saying Miami is good or even average. They're a bad football team. But they're playing like they care about the results, which is a striking improvement over earlier in the season when everyone thought they were absolutely tanking. They're getting three and a half points. I think they win this game outright. I'll absolutely take the points. And the money line at plus 160 is pretty interesting, too. The Dolphins have covered seven of their last nine games. After that abysmal start, their first four games were brutal. They were all-time bad. And we all just kind of thought, I think that... That kind of tinted everybody's view on the Dolphins For the rest of the year Like we all still think of the Dolphins as that team That got crushed the first four weeks We don't think of them as the feisty team That has been in the mix And that has been playing pretty darn well Over the last, you know, nine weeks Nine, ten weeks or so I think they have a pretty good coach I really like what I've seen from Brian Flores This team could have easily packed it in at the beginning of the year They made a couple trades They got rid of some of their best skill players There were all the rumors about people Players not wanting to, to be a part of this organization But now Things are changing You could tell that these are players that are playing for their jobs next year They know that Flores is coming back So it's not like a lame duck situation Where everybody quits Like you see the Jags They just kind of quit on their team Even you're talking about the Giants It's kind of the opposite They might have all just quit I'm with you. I like the Dolphins in, in this spot also. Um, and what I like about the Dolphins too, Andrew, is the Giants' D is so, so bad. And it's coming off of a short week where they got up for a national televised game. Eli was back. They were playing in overtime, so it was additional like minutes on them. Then you come back in a short week, and you're going to have to deal with 
looks like both Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson practiced in full today for Miami. So when you talk about playmakers, Devontae Parker has been really, really good. There's nobody in the Giants' secondary that can stop him. This has been a much more competitive team with Fitzpatrick under center. They tried to give Rosen a shot. He just couldn't move the ball. Miami's not like all-time bad anymore. They're feisty. You don't cover seven of nine games without, as you mentioned, caring a little bit. And uh, and Miami is a nice play in here, plus three and a half against the Giants. And then your final play, it's going to be Minnesota in the Chargers game. Yeah, and this is another game where the spread has moved, and I do not understand why. This initially, I believe, was a three or four point spread in favor of Minnesota. It's gone down to a point and a half, and I just don't see anything worth betting on the Chargers side. Yes, they beat the Jaguars, but as you mentioned, the Jaguars packed it in. Their effort last week was awful. It was a terrible game to watch. Phillip Rivers obviously getting a lot of play with that incident that he had with the Jaguars defensive lineman. Maybe that's playing some of it. I don't know. But Minnesota is a one and a half point favorite and Minnesota is a genuine playoff team. I don't understand why this spread is so low. I get that it's a road game, but it's the Chargers. Any home game for the Chargers is at best a neutral field, given that nobody actually comes out to watch the games. Give me Minnesota minus a point and a half all day, every day. There are a lot of Vikings fans out here in California, too. I, there, there's not many Charger fans. They might be getting Adam Thielen back. The Vikings are 11-5-1 against the spread in their last 17 as a favorite. And the Chargers are coming off that game where they look so good. They had their, their season high in points, total offense, and first downs against just a brutal— I liked, I thought the Jags would play well last week um, with, with Minshew starting again. They just gave up. I don't think you can judge that— Game and, and go oh the Chargers are back So I completely with you I think the, the Vikings are the best team in here I'm not worried about any kind of a down game Because they're worried about the Rams That are tr- that are playing well right now And they can't lose and, and, and Have to fall out of the playoffs And they still have an opportunity to win their division With a game coming up against Green Bay So I think they have a lot to play for also With you with the, the Vikings So give us your four plays one more time Sure I've got the Packers minus four Over the Bears under 41.5 in Patriots-Bengals, the Dolphins plus 3.5 over the Giants, and the Vikings minus 1.5 over the Chargers. Andrew Champagne, and give us your plugs one more time. Where can we find you on social media, and what will you be working on uh, coming up in the next few weeks? Sure, Twitter is at Andrew Champagne. I've also got a YouTube channel, search Andrew Champagne, and I should pop up. I'm writing for Odds Checker as well, so search Odds Checker US for some of my stuff on two-year-old races and my website, andrewchampagne.com. Next couple of weeks are the holidays, so it's going to be a little bit light, but I'm looking forward to some stuff once the new year starts, so stay tuned for that. That's called foreshadowing, kids. And the Charlie Brown Christmas will be in the bracket for uh, for the best Christmas movie, Good. so I'd Good. imagine that's going to be probably one of the... Uh, I'm thinking that'll be at least like one of the Elite Eight because that's a classic, absolute classic before one. Before so. you go, before you go, have we had the Die Hard discussion? Yes, I don't think we've had it. I mean, it's, it's been had. Where do you stand on is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It's absolutely a Christmas movie. It should be a number one seed. Okay, I would. I was leaning yes too. I don't. I don't. Holiday setting, holiday Christmas party. There's plenty to me of that make Die Hard a Christmas movie. So. It will be on the list the, the man Andrew has spoken I've made an executive decision Let me ask the people in the back Peanut gallery, what do you think? Yes, okay, we're good Yeah, Die Hard's in cool. Awesome 
Andrew Champagne. I look forward to talking to you again soon. We'll have uh, Santa Anita opening up in uh, in just a few weeks, and yeah, we'll have nice racing now at Gulfstream at Fairgrounds uh, week in and week out. So we'll we'll bring you back on, and we'll uh, we'll continue to talk some racing. We have March Madness and college basketball coming up in, around the the corner not too long. I know that's a big uh, uh, a big trip for you and your pops. Uh, usually yearly head out to Vegas and play a lot of the games. So yeah, we'll continue to keep you on anytime you have anything you want to uh, promote or anything you want to talk to. Uh, the that's what G said audience about just let us know Thanks so much man really appreciate it And I hope the baby enjoys his first Christmas Oh it, it's fun one month Old yesterday crazy unbelievable Already a month old man So yeah I, I'm feeling Older each and every day <laughs> As well you should that's how you know you're doing a good Job man Andrew Champagne We'll be talking to him again very soon here on That's what G said you have a nice weekend buddy Thank you you too take it easy Big thank you to Andrew Champagne. Make sure to give him a, a follow there and uh, check out that YouTube channel. He, he does a really good job uh, that he's posting up there. Before we get into our second interview, I want to let you know about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said. It is Thrive Fantasy. It is a new DFS app for prop bets. I've used this personally. I always vet all of the sponsors. And I, in particular, like any, not even a sponsor, anytime I'm playing a new DFS game or using a new wagering site, I always want to make sure, can I withdraw my money? What happens if I win? I love everything that's that's gone on with uh, with Thrive Fantasy. I'm very happy that uh, they are sponsor of That's What G Said podcast. So what they do with their daily fantasy app, it's different than the normal DFS you're used to that has the salary cap. This one is based around prop betting. If you're someone who likes to bet props a lot, you will love this. What it does is you pick 10 props to make your lineup and it'll say something like Tom Brady over or under 250 yards passing if you go over it'd be 100 points if you go under it'd be 80 points so that's how you select your lineup you pick all the props you look at which side you think it will hit you you want to maximize your uh, point total and if you right now go to Thrive Fantasy download the app use the promo code GINO when you make your deposit of 10 bucks You'll get a $10 bonus right back So if you deposit at least $10 bucks, you will get a $10 bonus right back Go right now, deposit $10 It'll turn into $20 And uh, you'll have an opportunity to go play in some contests You'll see me in plenty of the contests there too My name is That's What G Said So uh, I'm going to be the person that's kicking your butt in uh, Most of the times You're going to be looking up at me saying Oh man, I'm chasing That's What G Said Yes, you are But if you want to help this puts money right in my pocket, literally. Every time you go and use that promo code GINO and deposit 10, I get a chunk of it right to me. So it's a big help, and I mean, who doesn't want more money, right? This is this is something that is part of my football weekly lineup building, but it's more than football too. They have all sports in there. Go check it out, Thrive Fantasy. Make sure to use that promo code GINO and make sure to deposit at least 10. So you next interview, going to be with Michael Gagliano. We're going to talk a little fairgrounds for Saturday, and we're going to talk some Saints. We talk a little LSU, and we're going to talk some Packers with Michael. Very excited to welcome in a new guest. Uh, that's what G said podcast, uh, a friend uh, that I've developed from the last few years online on on social media, just going back talking some sports. And we welcome in Michael Gagliano. Michael's going to talk with us uh, a little football and a little horse racing. Michael, buddy, nice to have you on here. Uh, how's everything going? Good. Um, appreciate you having me on. Big, big, grateful for the opportunity. Awesome. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your background. 
tell us uh, where you come from, where you're located right now, and what what sports are you like the most into? Give us something like your rooting interest. Okay, so I I live I'm born and raised in uh, New Orleans. I live in Chalmette now, uh, which is about ten minutes from New Orleans. Um, huge Green Bay fan. Uh, also like the Saints as well because they're the hometown team. So it's just mostly football for me. Um, I, I mean, I love LSU. Um, you know, I've liked Green Bay since I was five. I started liking Brett Favre, and it just kind of took off from there. Um, you know, if you had to ask me, would it be Green Bay or the Saints? It would always be Green Bay for me, even though I live in New Orleans. Um, it's just it's always been a, a childhood team of mine. Um, so you know, uh, it's just it's just one of those things, you know. So uh, so let's. Let's start there with Green Bay then. Both of the teams that you that you have rooting interest for are having an excellent year. Green Bay, the new coaching staff, their defense is just a completely different defense this year. When we've thought about Green Bay the last, you know, decade or so ever since Aaron Rodgers has been around, we think about like a big scoring offense and, you know, they'll be able to to put up all these numbers, but this team is a different team. They're really solid defensively. They seem to that they seem to kind of be buying in, and that seems like their identity. And they have a couple big games coming up, in particular this week, where they have to go and play against the Bears, or where they have to play against the Bears. They're at home this week. They're actually a five-point favorite against the Bears. So, um, what have you thought about this Packers season so far, and then and this game coming up? I mean, so far, I mean, they've exceeded my expectations by far. I, I mean, I couldn't ask to be in a better predicament. To be ten and three and be the second seed with a shot at the one seed, um, I mean the offense is kind of sputtered at times. But I mean, I really believe this is a new brand of of Green Bay football. It's not the it's not the typical Packers that you've seen in the past with McCarthy to where they have to score forty five points while also giving up forty two. I think they expect more. They expect less out of Rodgers. I should say they rely more on the running game because you keep in mind Matt Lafleur came from Tennessee where they relied on Derrick Henry and, and previous running backs. So it's more so run-heavy now. And then open the play action with Rodgers down the field. Um, and then, you know, you have an excellent pass rush, solid secondary. We should get Kevin King back this week against the Bears, so that will help tremendously. Um, but, I mean, as far as, as far as the last three games go, I mean, th- there's no way, there's no reason why we shouldn't win out. Minnesota is probably the toughest out to three. Um, I mean, the Bears will be tough, but, uh, you know, with us being at home, there's no reason why we shouldn't win that game. And I think you hit the nail right on the head, too. What I like the most about this group of the pack, uh, group of Packers is I always had a concern in the big games. Could they get a stop if they needed to? Now, with this team, I don't really have that concern as much, and I feel like it kind of just takes a little bit of the weight off of Aaron Rodgers' shoulders because you don't need Rodgers to be that Rodgers and carry you and make a huge play and and make some incredible, you know, Hail Mary type type play. You just don't need that from him. You need him to just be smart, not turn the ball over, and then there's going to be times throughout the game where you need him to make one play, and he he's going to be able to do that because you haven't asked him over and over and over again to make that play to get hit. Um, I feel like he's not as banged up this year at this point of the year as he has been in, in previous years. And I think they're kind of flying under the radar a little bit because they got beat up by by the 49ers, who are one of the better teams. And I think that was just one of those games where they haven't done very well when they've come out West. You know, they got beat up by the Chargers and they got beat up by the 49ers. I'm willing to kind of take those games as, you know, that's not their best performance. I think we'll get a lot better from them. And uh, a couple big games coming up this week, but I'm right there with you. I think they have 
they're in a great spot and they have every opportunity to control their own destiny and and possibly get that one seed. So, um a couple big big games coming up, but as a fan and as someone that, you know, covers the Packers and covers all these football teams, I'm 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 surprised with how good their defense and their running game has come around so quickly. So, uh Let's move on from the Packers to the Saints, another good team, and and then we'll even hit on LSU for a minute after we talk the Saints. I just want to get a thought of uh, two okay. of yours on, on LSU, but the Saints, man, they're coming off an incredible game last week where it went back and forth. What surprised me the most about that game is I I was impressed with both of the teams because it was a back and forth. It felt like whoever had the game la- uh, had the ball last was probably going to win that game. I didn't know. I didn't think San Francisco could win a game quite like that. I thought they could beat you with their defense. I didn't know they could go back and forth and up and down. And I mean, we talk about Green Bay as a top team in the NFC. This NFC, Michael, is absolutely loaded this year with you know the Saints, with the 49ers. Mm-hmm. You have Seattle up towards the top two. You have the Rams starting to play some good ball right now. Uh, this Saints team, though, they're very, very scary. It could be fun for you if you get a maybe, maybe a Green Bay and the Saints uh, hooking up, <laughs> hooking up in the NFC playoffs. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of nervous energy. I would I would say probably in New Orleans right now with the you know the defense. I thought would it's looked a lot a little shady over the last couple of weeks, even from the um, you know the Thanksgiving game when they beat Atlanta. Uh, there was just some you know this just kind of looked sloppy and. I guess you could say, you know, for a Sean Payton team, I was really surprised that they didn't really – they lacked that killer instinct uh, last Sunday. You know, you had the two-score lead. You kind of thought the Saints were seizing control of the game. Then Jared Cook went out with the concussion. And then kind of from that, you just kind of traded blows. And, I mean, I don't really think, you know, if I'm if I'm putting money on it, I don't think Jimmy G would duplicate that performance. But there is a lot of concern – in New Orleans as far as the secondary goes, because yeah, you have Michelle and Lattimore, but at the end of the day, if the thing's not getting a pass rush, it kind of leaves the secondary vulnerable. Um, you know, and it's a tough game this week. Um, the Colts, uh, they're on a lifeline. It's their last lifeline. If they lose, they're done. And I, I, I really do think this will be a lot closer than people expect. Um, mm-hmm. The line is, I believe, minus nine last time I checked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Brissett has weapons. He has Ebron. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, Hilton back, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got Marlon Mack. You got Neon Hines. So I think the Colts will be able to exploit some matchups. I don't know if they have enough defensively to stop the Saints, but we also have seen the Colts go into Kansas City and, and, and stop the Chiefs offense. So I do think it will be a lot closer than people expect, but it is a game the Saints should win. And if they have any hope of um, – being a one or two seed, they have to win out. I mean, they play Tennessee next week. That's going to be hard. Um, but it's just getting back to the basics, the defense. Um, you know, when it was going that long winning streak, um, the defense was playing much, much better than it is now. Um, the offense is always going to be there. But I do think you need to see some more of Latavius Murray. Um, you know, you let Mark Ingram go. You see the success he's having. But you're not really seeing it out of Murray. And then when you do see it, it's not consistent. I mm-hmm. think that's, you know, a lack of play calling. Um, and, you know, you, you just need to use Kamara more in the passing game. Let Murray be that bruiser. Because if the Saints have to go on the road in bad weather, you're going to need a running game. You know, so I think that's the main thing the Saints need to focus on Monday night in, in the Dome. The Saints and the Packers with big games coming up this week. They're trying to continue to win so they can uh... – Hold that home 
field because as you mentioned this this tough nfc you don't want to go on the road anywhere like you don't want to go play a, a road game at green bay or you don't want to have to go up to seattle and play a game or even san francisco you don't want to give them any opportunity at home to, to sit there and let their crowd get happy get happy and tee off on you so yeah i'm looking forward to the nfc man these nfc playoffs are going to be absolutely loaded uh before we get into some horse racing you mentioned lsu and what an incredible year it's been for LSU. What I I love what they've done as a, a USC fan. I'm I was so sad to see uh, Ed Orgeron leave. I was someone uh, someone that I wanted them to make the head coach when he was the interim coach. Uh, he was always such a great recruiter. And when he opens his mouth and talks, you have to smile, right? With that voice, the, that big deep voice he's got. Like he he is a type of of coach and recruiter who goes into a you know, 17, 18 year old kids living room And he's able to inspire trust with their family uh, Let them know he's going to do everything he can for their kid And people want to run through a brick wall for him And he's and he's done an incredible job And I really got to give it up to LSU Because they've done done well with giving him the support needed They went out and they, they paid to get the best assistance They upgraded um, in all the spots that they needed They didn't get rid of him after one or two years That were mediocre They let him develop a program And look what it's done They are, in my opinion, the very deserved number one team They have the Heisman winner And this team is going to be very, very tough to beat I'm sure the buzz about LSU down there Is a lot of fun right now Oh, it's crazy I mean, especially, you know If you win in the in the Peach Bowl You get the national title Basically in the, in the, in, at home mm-hmm. In the Dome um, so yeah, there's a big buzz. I, I do think you know Oklahoma will will give us a battle. I don't think it's going to be easy considering Jalen Hurts knows the knows LSU pretty well from his career at Alabama. Um, but there's you know the, the, it's it's national title a bust this year, um, especially with so much uncertainty about the players returning next year. But I mean it it is it is all hands on deck right now, and I mean the, the town is a buzz. Especially, you know, with LSU, the Saints as well, and it, it, it's 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 going to be a fun next couple of weeks um, with the you know the Peach Bowl, and then possibly uh, January fourteenth, the national title game in the Dome. We'll uh, close things out with some some horse racing at fairgrounds, and so we'll have to get you back on in a few weeks because it's going to be a big few weeks for the Packers, for the Saints, for LSU. A couple of weeks from now, we'll know how they are going to be faring in the playoffs. We'll know how LSU. Uh, has done in their first playoff game if they were able to make it through and get to the uh, the, the championship. And with and in all honesty uh, to everyone out there listening, this is the first time Michael and I have ever spoke on the phone more than just talking back and forth. And so I never like when there's someone that I speak with that I for the first time. And we talked a little bit before we started this interview. I never know um, what the conversation is going to be like. And and to be honest, I never know if it's going to be good. And you've done a hell of a job here, so you've really impressed me quite a bit. So we'll definitely have you back on in a few weeks to talk more and more. Sometimes I don't know, and I don't I don't want to BS somebody until after I've heard with them and say, oh yeah, you did a great job, but you've done a, an excellent job. I could tell you came to play today. You came very prepared, so that pleases me quite a bit as we transition because I love being able to talk about multiple things with our guests. And when we're able to go from football to college football and now bounce on over to horse racing. Those are the kind of convos that I like having, Mike. So uh, we have some fairgrounds Saturday uh, thoughts, right? Is that is that right? Yes. Okay. Let's uh, let's jump over to fairgrounds. So everyone that's listening, get your past performances out for fairgrounds on Saturday. These days are some of my favorite days when they have like the champions days, the state bread days, because it's really cool, especially if you are 
a fan of like a smaller racetrack. I, I used to be um, one that frequented Delta Downs. I loved going out to Delta. So when I would see Delta have the big Louisiana bread days, they were always great. And then Evangeline has them. And now Fairgrounds has the Champions Day where you have a lot of the Louisiana breads getting to run for big, big purses and getting to run in big fields and really good races. Where do you want to um, to uh, to go for a couple of your plays for Saturday? So I'd like to start uh, race seven Saturday. It's the Lady Sprint, uh, Louisiana Lady Sprint, six furlongs on the main track. Um, minute to stardom is the is the, is going to be the, probably the favorite, eight to five, coming off the uh, kind of like a uh, I guess you could say a, a tune up at Laurel. It won the Grade Three Honorable Miss at Saratoga. It was the twenty to one upset. Uh, Alex Centron was on it. He he comes in. Two rides for Jose Cameo, sire of star guitar, actually. Um, you know, the famous Louisiana bread that won so over probably $1 million, $2 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think she's the top play. If you want me, if you as far as long shots go, I would probably go to the 7, 10 pins tempo. Um, Colby Hernandez. Um, I like the, the 49-2 workout at Delta on December 9th. It's won its last three races. A lot of early speed. If you can get to the lead, and, and depending on how a track plays off it, they, they might be trying to catch her. Colby uh, Hernandez is, is the leading jock right now. He's been on a tear. He used to be at Delta, uh, if you follow Louisiana jockeys. Um, but, I mean, you know, I like the trainer stats route to sprint, 25%. Uh, like I said, it's won the last three races, the 49-2 workout. 15-1 to one morning line right now. So I would say I wouldn't go no less than seven, eight to one, because uh, it will probably be bet down. Um, because you know Kobe Hernandez, he's hot right now. He's on a tear. And then I would say if you if you want to play some exotic, the four will also be one of my plays. So if you if you talking plays three, seven, four, try and exact the box. Um, the four won the race last year, um, and he's also beat men at the Stardom in the Premier Matron at Delta last year, and at and then the same race last year at Fairgrounds. So he's the defending champ. Gabriel Sia is a boy for Larry Jones. Um, and he also finished third in that same race, the Honorable Miss, behind uh, Minutes of Stardom, which was an upset winner that day. Um, so the plays would be 3-7-4, race 7 at Fairgrounds. Louisiana Lady Sprint for $100,000. That is minute to stardom, who is no doubt the class of the field. And that's the way you have to play a race. You look at a race, you see, okay, minute to stardom, probably going to be a short price, probably going to be tough in here. Let's find some value where we can spice up the exotics. And that's what you did with 10 pins tempo there. And then you hook ours to run in, who ours to run should just be getting a nice trip coming from off the pace. If the, the race sets up with a little speed up front, ours to run should be getting the trip. So the three minute to stardom, seven, four in the exotics there. For Mike in race number seven at the fairgrounds. And I believe you want to head to race number nine for your second play. Yeah, we're going to go to the Champions Day turf, mile and 16th on the turf. They should be able to stay on the turf, even though we have a lot of fog and moisture in the area. The turf should be fine because they are on the turf today. Um, top pick, I'm going to go with Theory into practice. The morning line's nine to two. I'm thinking you may get four to one, five to one because of the field being so well. Um, January 20th win at the distance, mile and 16th on the fairgrounds turf. Um, third in the stakes last time out. Um, two in the Navy, who's the one horse in the race. He's also won the Louisiana Classic Turf Cup at Louisiana Downs. In the last two races, I really like the speed buyer. 
90 and a 92 respectively, even though in the last race he finished third. I still like Louisiana Downs is kind of a tricky track at times compared to fairgrounds. So I, I do like him. You get Florent Giroux, Steve Asmussen, very lethal combo. Um, and then as far as exotics, I would throw the nine in there. Kobe Hernandez called Broberg. Kind of got bumped in the last race watching, um, you know, three wide, finished second to Tackett, who ran in the LeCompte last year. Um, and Tackett also won off a year layoff in that race, the last race he finished. So, I mean, that's just that's one of those things. I do like the performance. He should be six to one. And then as far as my up, my third pick, 91, Assault Sean Bridgman, Thomas Morley um, comes from Aqueduct. Finished third to in the Navy in the Mr. Sulu last year, which is a uh, stakes race on the turf at Fairground. So um, seven to nine for race nine at the Fairgrounds. And I'm glad you mentioned the nine. Um, that's going to be the horse that I maybe play to win, and I use in a lot of the exotics there too. I just love the the race that Boudreaux talking is coming out of. Uh, and if you just look at the recent grass form, put a line through the race on the dirt against Tougher at Delta, who Trevilian you'll see late, a little bit later on in the card. This horse is a, a grass horse who is really peaking right now, who has run really well for Broberg. I like the race down last year in November at Remington Park. You can see he's really capable of throwing in a big, big effort. I think you have the right horse with theory into practice also who should be through right in the mix a little freshening right now back to fairgrounds and the last time we saw him at fairgrounds it was in a race that was rained off the grass and so that kind of muddies the form up a little bit you may even get a better price there uh, I, I like what you did in race number nine also so let's try to get the uh the seven nine two home for the exotics in race number nine for mike Michael, you've done an awesome job. I really uh, appreciate you coming on and talking some racing and some uh, some football with me. Before we let you go, tell everyone out there, where can we find you on social media? How can we follow along with you? You can find me. I, I'm on Instagram, MikeKnows29, and then Facebook, uh, Michael Gagliano. I'm always talking sports. And then I'll be uh, also starting a podcast and probably uh, next year, um, so I'll, I'll give you details on that and you can give me a shout out for that, but, uh, yeah, Absolutely. lots of, lots of big things I'm working on for the next year. So we look forward to having you back again uh, in a few weeks and we'll, uh, we'll start pumping that podcast out there for, uh, and promoting it, helping you promote it as soon as you, as soon as you're up and running next year. Thank you so much, buddy. I, I appreciate you coming on and I look forward to talking with you again. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Okay, folks, we'll be back in just a second here on that's what G said. Big thanks to Mike. A big thanks to Mike. Uh, make sure to give him a follow on social media, and we'll let you know when he starts up his podcast. Love the accent. I'm sure he'll be talking lots of uh, of the topics that we just discussed. He likes the horse racing down there in, uh, in Louisiana. Lots of good football to discuss. Before we get into our next interview with Craig Milkowski, I want to remind you about Sarah Candle Company. SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A Candles.com. If you are... Someone that likes candles, you have to go and check these out. 25 different scents, and I think that's even more now because they have some uh, seasonal holiday scents. You can use a promo code GINO, and it will give you 10% off your entire purchase. Make sure to check the website. If you spend over 50 and use the promo code they give you on the top of the website, then it will actually give you free shipping. All natural soy wax, free from toxins, 100% locally sourced, 100% lead-free cotton wicks, Best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable pricing. I've personally used these candles now for the last uh, month and a half or so. 
I have the Country Orchard one burning as we speak. Those of you that are horse racing fans, there's a Del Mar scent. Yes, a Del Mar candle scent. What does that smell like? Better go check it out. SarahCandles.com Up next, interview with Craig Milkowski. We talk uh, a little Oklahoma City. Thunder, he's a basketball fan. So just a few minutes about OKC at the beginning. And then we discuss Remington Park. The Springboard Mile is on Sunday. So we're going to talk about the Springboard Mile. We discuss race 8 on the undercard and then race 13 also. So a couple races to uh, to get Craig Milkowski's thoughts on the Remington Sunday card. I'm very lucky to have uh, our good friend Craig Milkowski back here for that's what G said podcast. I think the last time we had Craig on, we were talking uh, a lot about tennis. And this time we'll be focusing in on some Remington Park. You know, Craig from Timeform US as uh, such a great handicapper, makes the figures just a, a great, great follow online uh, if you're interested in horse racing. But Craig, you, you like all sports too. Before we jump into to the horse racing discussion, thanks for joining us again. Happy holidays. Hope you're doing well. And I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with your, your Thunder team. This year, uh, I the, the couple games that the Lakers have played against them, they played them really tough. Every time I watch them, it seems like they fight and they kind of overachieve a little bit. And I think because of Chris Paul and because of just his attitude, which a lot of people don't like, you know, how he kind of is a little chappy, that probably rubs off on the team. And they don't seem like a team that's going that wants to tank or is going to take a whole lot of nights off. No, they're a really fun team to watch. As you know, I've been a season ticket holder since the very beginning. Had a, had a lot of uptime, some great teams that we saw here, but uh, it got a little stale the last few years, to be honest. It was basically the Russell Westbrook show with a little Paul George sprinkled in. But, I mean, clearly Russell Westbrook's declining a bit. I mean, I'm as big a fan as there is of the guy, but he's just not doing it this year in Houston. So it was really a good move by Presti to trade him, I think. And then, uh, you know, after Paul George decided he didn't want to be here to get Shea Gilgis Alexander and just a load of draft picks, it's a fun team to watch, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing them develop. And they just say they've pretty much been in almost every game this year. There's been a couple where they haven't been, but they're fording with 500. And last I saw, I think they they would actually make the playoffs as the season started now. So, you know, looking forward to the rest of the year. Yeah, it's it's all about perspective, right? And like and expectations. And when you were kind of in a in no man's land the last few years, because like your teams were you weren't good enough to win it all, but they weren't bad enough to ever like start to gain a lot of assets to get better. And that's kind of in a weird place we are in in sports nowadays, where it's like it's really hard to just be mediocre to above average. You have to really either be like really good or really bad if you want to get try to get better quickly. And, and so it's kind of a weird uh you scratch your head sometimes when it happens. But I, I like I like what Oklahoma's done because it's fun, I think, as when when you're able to do both a little bit. And it seems like Oklahoma OKC might be in one of these situations where they might be able to still be competitive while rebuilding, which is really nice. A lot of a lot of teams don't get that opportunity. Right. I, I suspect there's some trades coming. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they'll be able to get rid of Chris Paul and, and his gigantic contract, but he's been a great mentor to the younger guys. Uh, Gallinari is almost sure to be traded. He's in the last year of his contract. Uh, he's played really well, but you know it'd be silly to hold on to him yeah. just to try to get the eight seed. So I expect some changes, and maybe they won't be as competitive later in the year after they do that, but still a fun team to watch. Uh, Dennis Schroeder has been fabulous this year. A lot of people were talking about him as trade bait as well, but I mean, the guy's only 20. 20- 
He's playing the best basketball of his life, and he's he's a guy I'd like to see stick around as well. Steven Adams is still there. Not not sure if they'll try to move him, but he's really come around after a slow start. He he was kind of banged up to begin the year, but he's playing a lot better lately. So it, it's a good time, and I always have a good time when I go to the games. Uh, me and my wife don't miss very many. Uh, sometimes my, our daughter will go in our place or some friends, but but we probably go to eighty to ninety percent of them. So. Good times and look forward to seeing more. Okay, well let's uh, let's get into uh, the, the focus of our conversation today, which is going to be Remington Park. I like the Remington Park card this weekend. Uh, it's uh, it, there have been some issues with uh, virus, but it seems like the the equine herpes virus over there. But it seems like things have with horses like not being able to ship out for other races. But I thought these cards actually did pretty well, and I think a lot of that has been cleared up uh, as of late. And we're going to touch on three races. We actually get some Kentucky Derby points um, in the uh, in the springboard mile. So this is you know one of the the first kind of really starts on the road to the Derby. But we're going to hit um, two other races. We're going to start in race number eight, which is basically the Philly version of the springboard mile. And th- I thought there were a couple nice Phillies in here. What makes these races fun? In particular, the the first two that we're going to look at is we have the two-year-olds, we have the young horses who can improve and drastically kind of change from one race to the next. So uh, let's start with race number eight, kind of set this one up for us. Yeah, it's two-year-old Philly, just say, running for $100,000. These are races usually dominated by Steve Asmussen. I I think he uh, almost has half of the nine entries Mm -hmm. in here. Uh, He has four horses entered to run. But I'm actually impressed with a different Philly named uh, Honey Hush. Uh, She was super impressive in her debut for uh, Joe Olfalter, a a local trainer here. And uh, she ran really fast. She got a 102 time form U.S. speed figure. Uh, For those who aren't familiar with our scale we're usually i mean this doesn't mean every race but just a real rough rule of thumb is we're about 20 points higher than the buyer speed figures uh we try to get on the same scale as time form overseas the time form based in the uk but uh anyway honey hush just went wire to wire she uh didn't break particularly clean but she fought her way in between horses made the lead and just that speed figure kind of stands out uh the steve asmussen horse to three uh Princess Priscina, Princessina Julia. I'm not going to pretend uh, that I'm pronouncing <laughs> that right. It's a, a weird spelling. Uh, but uh, she she only ran an 88 last time. Now, granted, she's won two races in a row. She did do it around two turns locally where Honey Hush hasn't. But uh, as a speed figure guy, when I get a gap that big and a horse who may be a bit of a price, I'm willing to take the chance that she can handle the two turns. Yeah, I like that. Take a swing there with the horse who might be able to just run them off their feet with the number four, Honey Hush. They're a very capable local rider there with uh, Quinonez, who gets in the winner's circle quite often over at Remington Park. So that's in race number eight at at Remington Park. That's the trapeze. That's a stakes race, and that starts. Uh, it's in the middle of a lot of exotics. I think it starts the their version of the the pick six that has a mandatory payout on a twenty cent six, and then. The races following are, are pretty decent You have a couple of stakes races coming up And then the big one in race number 12 Which we're going to jump to And that's a $400,000 purse It's the springboard mile with some Kentucky Derby points On the line They will travel a mile in here And you mentioned uh, Steve Asmussen Generally has a strong hand He will definitely have uh, some live horses in here And he will fill up uh, at least with a couple entries But th- I thought this race, you know, there's a couple different directions to go in There have been some horses who looked pretty impressive Where do you start? 
Uh, I actually start with the morning line favorite answer in. Yeah. Uh, I just said Steve Asmussen, he's always a force here, but uh, Brad Cox is one of the hottest trainers in North America. I mean, it's a, you know, I do a few podcasts for Daily Racing Forum, and it just seems like we're constantly talking about this guy lately, and always for good reasons. And answer in's a horse. He's had a little bit of gate troubles in his two starts, but he was able to overcome it last time. Now he tries to two turns for the first time so as a five to two favorite he came in he ran a 98 time form u.s speed figure last time which is the best last race speed figure in the field um you know i don't love him but i don't really have any knocks against him he's not a horse i'm going to be singling or anything like that uh, i think it's a little tougher than that and you don't want to take a short price when you do have at least some question marks um as for steve asmussen uh his lowest rated horse on the morning line is rowdy yates i'm definitely a bit against this horse uh he's one that's coming to remington after uh he ran against dennis's moment who you may remember from the breeders mm-hmm. cup juvenile uh, i can't remember if he went off the favorite but he was one of the favorites had that disastrous start but rowdy yates came out from uh ran fifth to him in the iroquois stakes uh at churchill downs and then he then and he's just essentially on oklahoma breads uh, he had two races in a row one at six furlongs one in a mile he's run mid 90 speed figures in him he was one to five both times so he really hasn't faced much and i just think he's stepping up a little too deep in price to take a uh, a short price here which he's going to be so of the steve asked me some runners i'm leaning towards shoplifted he's yeah. a nine in here uh he's taken a huge class drop he's running three grade ones in a row he finished second in the hopeful at saratoga with a 97 speed figure they've tried him long a couple times where he ran into eight rings in the american pharaoh then he tried the the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, where he was beating 14 lengths, didn't really do any run and finish last. But just to show you the strength of that field, whereas um, Answer In came in with a 98, um, Southgate got a, or not Southgate, uh, Shoplifted got a 96, getting beat 14 lengths. So, you know, any more reason for the the jockey to ask the horse, and there's no reason to believe he couldn't run just as fast as he, some of the others in here. And I think he's going to offer a little bit more value. Yeah, I'm with you. I like shoplifted in here too. Uh, you know, I think it's really it's really easy to just maybe look at him and say he didn't really take to the Santa Anita racetrack, a track that's kind of been playing really weird, and you know they've been messing with it a lot. And so when I see a horse that doesn't have a lot of speed taking to that track, like how many horses over Breeders' Cup weekend did we see just back up and not run well over that track? I'm willing to excuse horses who have run well previously, and I think shoplifted is the one here. He gets the main a man Santana aboard for Asmussen. I'm with you. I. I Pretty, pretty much exactly what you said I have no no knocks against answer in The horse that I'm the most curious about As a short price is Rowdy Yates And I, I would make shoplifted my top selection I think of the other Like if I'm looking for a price I did think the five maybe could sneak in The other Asmussen horse If you're if you're looking to get a little bit of value in here Because he's another one who He hooked Dennis's moment early on And then in his second start He drew the rail And he was kind of in a tough spot that day And in his last two starts since coming over to Remington What I like is that At least he's been beating and facing open company Versus a horse like Rowdy Yates Or some of the others who have, on, who have only been you know Beating up on or performing well against state bred So I thought he might be able to offer some value, but it, it feels like we're we're kind of similar in here with uh, with shoplifted and answer in is like two horses that'll probably be in the top tier. 
Yeah, the one thing I like to say about Jungle Runner, uh, he is the Asmussen third horse in here. But uh, we make pace figures at Time Form US, and both of his last wins have come in races where he came from off the pace, despite races we have coded as having a slow pace. So you may be able to overlook his speed figures a little bit as, as the pace just wasn't a good setup, and he won anyway. So if the pace were to get hot in here, as it often does with two-year-olds, a lot of them stretching out for the first time, he certainly could be the one running late. And then we will move to race number 13 And another uh, another nice stakes race Where, you know, there are some Horses in here who were really Highly regarded at, at different points in their Career, you know, a horse like Timeline uh, How about looking at Lee, who uh, Was your Kentucky Derby runner-up and, and now there's kind of an up-and-coming Horse in Sleepy Eyes Todd Who is a three-year-old who ran really well in the Oklahoma Derby at 40-1 to 1, And he was behind Owendale and then Owen, Owendale went and ran the Breeders' Cup Classic, and then he finished a, a decent second in the in the Clark not long ago. So lots of different ways to go. You have you know Shotgun Cowboy to the outside, who's over a million a million and a half in earnings. This is a like a fun race to sink your teeth into. Yeah, this is the race going to have a lot of names people know. Uh, I think Shotgun Cowboy will probably wind up being being the favorite. He's a local horse. He's won 15 races in his career. Uh, he's seven now, but he won the Oklahoma Derby back when he was three. Uh, he's won an open company many times. But I think he might be in a little deep, particularly from the 12 post against a field of runners, as you say. And the one I really like is Sleepy Eyes Todd. Yeah, he was 40 to 1 in this year's edition of the Oklahoma Derby, but it, it it wasn't a fluke that he ran second. I mean, he had come in off a couple of really nice wins at Canterbury. He did so running fast. Uh, his his previous win before the Derby had a 117 time form U.S. speed figure, which is as good as uh, about the same as Shotgun Cowboys been running this year. And then he got a really nice 126 for that uh, Oklahoma Derby. So he hasn't run since. Uh, I think he's ready to go. He was one of the horses. I think he was kind of stuck here because of the, the quarantine that you mentioned earlier, but he's been working out steady and I'm looking for a real big race from him. Uh, it is good to see timeline who won the Peter Pan back in 2017. Um, He's obviously not the horse he was, or he probably wouldn't be here, but he comes in for Steve Asmussen, uh, trying to get his form back. Looking at Lee has really pretty much been a disappointment since his uh, huge odds in the, uh, when the runner up in the Derby, but you never know if he gets the right pace set up. He is definitely a late runner who prefers to make that late, late run, but it's going to be sleepy eyes Todd for me. If he's anywhere near that seven to two morning line. Yep, uh, we're in trouble because we're uh, we're on the same horse again here, and uh, we might be playing the nine nine late daily double there with uh, with shoplifted to uh, to sleepy eyes Todd. I just I I look at like everyone in this field, and sure, some of these horses can jump up and win, but I feel like there's just so much more upside with a horse like sleepy eyes Todd, who's lightly raced, who's heading in the right direction. He has the the speed to be right. In the mix but he's shown that he can sit Multiple times and even you know Even a race back where the race where he got DQ'd and he was real competitive with Laughing Fox and you know some some decent Like a, who's a, a stakes caliber Three year old and a, a nice one so I think he's really in, in a really nice Spot here sleepy eyes Todd In race number 13 for uh, For both Craig and for me Thanks a lot buddy I appreciate you Coming on and talking a little Remington Park with us uh, So what are you going to be working on coming up next When do we have a uh, the uh, next uh, pace cast coming out and what's the schedule for you like 
Uh, we just did the forecast today on Fridays, myself and David Aragona, who's, uh, you know, works for us at Timeform US. He's also the morning line maker for uh, Naira. We kind of look at look ahead. We looked at the springboard. We looked at some of the races from Gulfstream. And then on Tuesdays, we do our base cast where we kind of do a recap of all the stakes races or, or notable races from the week before. You can find all of those on DRFTV. Uh, we, we tweet them out, of course. I'm at Timeform US figs on twitter uh so if you want to listen it's usually a good show usually takes somewhere between a half hour and an hour just depends how busy a week it is in racing but hopefully we give out some good opinions both after the races and before the races the next week part of my weekly listening uh each and every week the pre and the post it's always a it's a must listen in my opinion so always happy to have you on here and we'll continue to talk basketball We'll have uh, Santa Anita starting up with their meet pretty soon And I gotta admit I've been pretty impressed with The the post-Breeders' Cup Racing, it seems like each week There's at least one track that has a pretty Nice card each weekend um, We've had some good card, like Aqueduct Their weather was really good, so they were on the grass A lot, um, and they had some some Pretty deep races happening, well, now we have Fairgrounds and the Gulfstream Park meet opening Up, so there's a lot of options out There, it's actually not, normally this is kind of a Lull, a little bit of a lull time from Right after Breeders' Cup until you know the, the new year really starts, but I've been I've been pretty pleased this year, it seems like we've had some good Opportunities yeah, racing doesn't give you much of a break. Uh, we usually get at that time around Christmas. Uh, maybe the week before is slow, but we say with Aqueduct moving their cigar mile to the week after Thanksgiving, it kind of took away that extra week. And then right after Christmas, you know, Malibu Day, uh, between that and Gulfstream is firing up now, and Tampa has gotten to be a much better product. Yeah. And before we know it, in early January, I think uh, Oakland will be opening. Maybe they're a little later now. They extended well, they're their gonna- season. They're getting a lot of overflow from California too. We're hearing about all the like jockeys and trainers and owners that are going to be sending a lot. So I'm expecting Oakland to have a, a really big meet this year with a lot of deep fields, and uh, they're just going to have a lot of horses on track trying to get into those races. Because unfortunately, here in in Southern California, there's just so much going on. The fields aren't as good. The purses aren't as good. You, you, um, you just don't have as many opportunities to to for the races to fill. So I completely understand why. Uh, some of these jockeys and trainers and owners are going elsewhere You're just not really rewarded uh, a whole lot for for what you put in out here And it makes a lot of sense to go to Oakland Yeah, and I mean, I go there every every year a couple times It's a great track to attend live If anybody's out there looking for a place to go that they haven't been It's a good as experience as any racetrack you'll go to in America So I love it We always go for Rebel Weekend and Oakland uh Arkansas Derby weekend and maybe another time during the year. So without any, you know, racing closes here at Remington on Sunday, so I won't get to see much live racing and Oklahoma will be it till we open again. So really looking forward to it. It should be a great meet. It always is. And as you say, there's an influx of even more horses this year. So it should be even better. Okay, I'm gonna have to make it a point to to try to come out this year, and if not, one of the next couple, because we'll we'll have to have a, a meetup and have a few drinks in person one time, because we've never even really hung out. We've had all these conversations, and uh, we've never sat down and had a beer and really had dinner. So that's definitely gonna be uh, on the bucket list coming up soon. All right, that sounds great. I love it. Okay, Craig, you uh, tell the uh, tell the wife hello and have a great night and have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. All right, thank you. Thank you to Craig Milkowski for joining us. Talk some Remington Park. We'll have Craig on. Uh, Quite often, just a great, has a very good pulse on on racing from tons of different tracks. So make sure to follow Craig and really good information on his 
uh, podcast, the PaceCast too. So you can find all, all that information following Craig online. I'm going on the line. Online. Online. On the net. Okay, we're going to get into see the horse racing recap for me. My best bets over Saturday and Sunday. Before we do, want to talk a little CindyCarava.com. Full service realtor, Cindy Carava can help you with anything you need in real estate. We're talking from buying, selling, leasing. Maybe you're just talking about home improvement, you know, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Maybe you just want to get the the gardening a little bit better, the landscaping a little bit better. Maybe you need a, a paint job. She can connect you with the gardeners, the landscapers. She can connect you with lenders if you're having problems getting a pre-approval for a home loan. Maybe you're just curious to see what the value of your home is. She can do a free market analysis for you. I generally mention the Cindy Carava ad when I'm starting to talk horse racing because I think a lot of you know the name Carava. She is the wife of trainer Jack Carava, horse racing trainer who's been a mainstay down here in, in Southern California for 30 plus years. Cindy is one of the kindest, most genuine people I've ever met. She will not BS you at all. Uh, she will help you with anything you need, no matter how big or how small. She covers the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County. So she's right by Del Mar, uh, Rancho Santa Fe, uh, Solana Beach, and right here next to Santa Anita and everything uh, all around. CindyCarava.com is the website. If you shoot her an email with any of your questions, she will get back to you. Um, CindyC.Realtor at gmail.com. I don't have enough kind things to say about her because she is awesome. And, uh, I mean, moving, relocating, that's not an easy process. You want to have someone that you can trust. You want to know you're in good hands. Cindy will take great, great care of you. Make sure you let her know that Gino said hello. That's com for all the... In- okay, horse racing. Let's start over at Aqueduct. So we're going to be talking December the 14th, Saturday. Let's go to Aqueduct first. Probably hear a lot of papers shuffling in the background. I got a lot of papers around. I'm really old school in that I'm not as much with the the iPad past performances and stuff. We used to do that a lot of TVG where you know they have the i annotate PDFs where you can download them and then you can draw on them. But I make a ton of notes, like a ton of notes that I can't fit with the iPad notes. It it jumbles everything up. At least I can write really really small. And then what I end up doing is I write so small I can't read my notes after, but once I've written it down, I I know what I was I was trying to say at least. So uh, let's get to Aqueduct race number uh, Aqueduct for Saturday. We have two plays uh, on Saturday at Aqueduct, and uh, the first one is in race number seven. So let's get to race number seven at Aqueduct, and we're gonna go to the number five, Shamrocked. You know, I I think he has the opportunity in here to be either on the lead or sitting just off the pace. If you look at his last start, he kind of got forced into a tight spot. At the rail. He angled out at the top of the lane. He was within a length and he was, you know, in contention in the stretch, but he was no match for the top few in there. And now he's going to cut back. Those top few are a good top few. Performer has won four in a row, including the grade three discovery. Payne has won two in a row um, following that August 24th start. The last time Shamrock came off a similar type break from around three months. He 
actually crossed the wire first and then was DQ'd, and that was back in May. I think he's in a really good spot in here because this just doesn't seem like a really tough group compared to the the race that he's coming out of. So I think Shamrock will be sitting close. The key for me is the cutback. Six and a half furlongs might have just been a little too much for him against better. And now I think at six furlongs with the ability to show speed or to sit just off if, if they go a little too quick early on. But he might be you know, as quick as any in here. And I like the fact when you look at the major speeds in the field, you're looking at the two, the three, and the four. And Shamrock is drawn to the outside of all of them. So if those horses at the inside go, he's sitting a little bit. He has a little more bottom on the cutback. That's the number five Shamrock in race number seven at Aqueduct. We'll make a wager on this one at three to one. Make sure to include late exotics. And then race number eight at Aqueduct. Let's go to the 10. Bank on Shea. Career debut. Very nice. Winner. Looked like a pro, too. Sat just off. Moved to the lead. Pretty easy win. And that was at Saratoga and got action in that race. And then last time out at Aqueduct, he had not raced from July to November. He broke well. Then he got shuffled a little bit. He lost a few lengths. And he just couldn't re-rally to get back into contention. He was a little bit flat late. But that was his first start since July. Now he's going to go second start off a four-month break. He gets more distance. There's lots of other speed in here to chase on paper. I mean, you look up and down this field uh, from the inside. Hold my call is really quick. The the six, you got you have to expect Kierkegaard going to be showing some speed in here. It's a risk very quick. Captain Bombastic won't be too far out of it. Uh, Dream Bigger is going to be right on the lead. And then uh, Moonshi to the outside. So I think there are... You know, at least going to be a few showing some speed in here for Bank on Shea to uh, to run down. And we're not talking about Bank on Shea as like a stone-cold closer either. This is a, a horse who has enough tactical speed to put himself into a nice spot. So I think Bank on Shea, if we can get anything around 5-1, to one, we'll make a win wager there at Aqueduct on Saturday. The two Aqueduct plays, race 7, the number 5, Shamrocked. 3-1 to one is our value line there. And in race number 8, the number 10, Bank on Shea. Five to one is our value line there to Fairgrounds. Fairgrounds play is going to start in race number seven. It's a, a big day there. It is Louisiana Champions Day at Fairgrounds, so you have a lot of uh, big fields, good stakes races, and horses that are getting the opportunity to run for big money. We talk about a couple of these uh, races with Michael Gagliano a little earlier on. If you if you missed that, make sure to go back and, and listen. So in race number seven. Michael was mentioning how, you know, minutes to stardom is going to be really tough. R's to run is going to be tough in here also. Um, one of the horses that he didn't, uh, he likes 10 pins tempo also as a price. But one of the horses he didn't mention, who I'm going to lean to in here, is Midnight Fantasy, the number two, who is fresh, who is training well. And I think if you key off her sprints with the Louisiana breads, she can sit off. She likes it at fairgrounds. I would think she's going to be forwardly placed in here. And maybe she sits right behind Minute to Stardom. Maybe they try to go early on. I think she at least has enough speed to be a nuisance to Minute to Stardom in here. So if you get the 7-2, to two, that I wouldn't want to take much shorter on Midnight Fantasy because I do agree with Michael in that Minute to Stardom is going to be tough in here. But at 7-2, to two, I'd maybe give Midnight Fantasy a little bit of a swing because she has enough speed to stay close. 7-2 to two seems, seems... Race number 8 at Fairgrounds. I mean, I, I really was impressed with the two binding agreements debut win. It was a nice start from the inside. She, uh, He drew the rail. He secured a spot 
second off and he was able to get to the outside and angle around. He moved to the front without being asked. It was really, really impressive. He ends up winning that race by seven, binding agreement in this eighth race at Fairgrounds. And I, he might offer you a little bit of value. I think anything around three to one or over is good because Chimney Rock is in here, and Chimney Rock is coming off of a runner-up effort in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. I'm just thinking he'll get a little bit overbet because people see the tough races that he's coming out of. And the problem that I have is those races are on the grass. His career debut was at Belmont. It was in the slop. He was okay that day. But we don't really know how much of a dirt horse this horse is. If this was on the grass, I would completely stay away and think that Chimney Rock towered over the field. But the fact that it's on the dirt, I think there's a horse like the two binding agreement who has some upside. I would go elsewhere. For me, this is kind of like a play against Chimney Rock race because I just think he's going to be over bet coming out of the Breeders' Cup. If he wins, it'll be a really short price and it won't bother me all that much. Let's go to the two. Binding agreement. We'll make a win wager if we can get in race number nine. Another one that we talked about with Michael a little earlier on. He likes the seven, who I think is a very logical contender. But he also mentioned the nine, Boudreaux Talking, who's going to be my top selection in here. I really like what I saw from Boudreaux Talking in his last few starts. Now, let's put a line through the October 12th race at Delta. That race was on the dirt. Not relevant for this race. Let's focus on the last three grass races. You have a couple wins and then a runner-up effort last time out against Open Company. And now you're back in with Louisiana Breads. He sat a, a nice fourth. He was just two lengths off. He was too deep. He loomed up three deep at the top of the lane in between horses. It was a really nice second. He was battling in, in between. And he's capable of really big efforts on the grass. Look at the race at Remington Park. In 2018 on November the 14th Where he earned a nice big fit, A really big win I like the way he's coming into this race He has been a little rejuvenated For Carl Broberg Let's go to the 9 Boudreaux talking We're going to make a win wager on the 9 If we can get anything over 7-2 to two. Race number 11 Will be next uh, at Fairgrounds And I'm going to the number 2 Room to finish I'm still really Really consistent filly Who This is her game Right Fairgrounds Turf Going a mile and a 16th This is where she's been Absolutely the best And I'm willing to excuse You know A couple of the poor performances I think on May the 25th Going a mile and a half At Churchill That was just probably A a little too far Against too tough Of company And You know You put a line through that race what else do you have but just good effort after good effort? She always shows up. I mean, she's she's raced made it to the races twelve times, and she's been in the exact eleven of them. Uh, last time out, she sat mid pack. She was sixth on the inside. She was three off. She was in a little bit tight. She was waiting for room. She angled to the two path. She moved up to the lead with ease. That was against open. First level allowance. Now she's back in again with Louisiana breads. I like the number two room to finish. We'll make a win wager on the number two room to finish at anything around seven to two. Keep an eye on Mariah's Galaxy. I wouldn't talk you off using the eight in some of your exotics. Just a really sharp horse who the turf form is a little deceiving because she's not been that bad. I think her, her first grass race you can make it, you can make an excuse for because she was sent to the bench. And then her last grass start, kind of similar. She was sent to the bench, but she really wasn't that bad in there either. So maybe Mariah's Galaxy could uh, could sneak into some of your exotics, but we'll make the win wager on the two room to finish. And then in race number 12, I'm going to go to the number 12, Inspector Eddie. 
This is the first time Gelding, who's going to be cutting back now, who's going to be making the third start of the current form cycle, and I feel like he is going to get a really nice trip sitting just off the pace, a little more bottom on the cutback. He likes it at fairgrounds. He does like this trip. This is where he's been at his best. Look at the the races in you know, early 2019 here at fairgrounds when he was in real nice form, and he hasn't been in bad form as of late. I just think they tried to go a little bit longer, and now the cutback First time gelding, the focus should be there with the ultimate equipment change. So race number 12, the 12, Inspector Eddie will play at 6-1. to one. So the fairgrounds plays. Race number 7, the 2, Midnight Fantasy. Race number, uh, we, want it, we want it at around that morning line. Uh, in the 8th race, the number 2, Binding Agreement. Anything over, you know, 3-1 to one seems fair to me. In the ninth race, the number 9, Boudreaux Talking, feels like a horseshoe should be 7-2-ish to two-ish or so. And the same thing in race number 11, the 2, Room to Finish, super consistent. Anything around 7-2 to two feels good. 12th race, the number 12, Inspector Eddie, around 6-1 to one or so is our value line. Major plays at Fairgrounds. Now let's bounce on over to Gulfstream Park. Gulfstream Park has a really nice card. If you missed it, we talked about some of the Gulfstream races with Andrew Champagne just a bit earlier. So if you tune back a little earlier on in the episode of the Andrew Champagne interview, we talk about two of the Gulfstream stakes races. And let's get to race number five at Gulfstream. This is December the 14th for Saturday. And we're going to begin with the number five, and that is Blockade. Blockade last out came off a layoff from February of 2018 to November of 2019. She just he just had to need that race. He had a smooth start. He tracked nicely in third. He was tucked inside. He was within two. He was traveling very well. But then he was right up on the heels of, of his rival. He was waiting for room. He wanted to go. He started to get a little bit um, kind of antsy, wanting to move. Nowhere to go. Had to angle around, but never really had room to run. He's going to take a massive step forward in here, and I wouldn't be shocked if he gets bet down a little bit. I do think that Syoff will take some of the money, and Syoff has a lot of pace and is, you know, a, a horse who just seems to burn a lot of money. So the play in here is against Syoff and is for Blockade, who had shown a lot of talent early on in his career, but he uh, had an issue that kept him away from the races for quite some time, and I think he's ready to take a nice step forward Second off the long layoff. I like the fact that they have given him now a month. He didn't wheel back quickly after that that race. Plenty of time to recover. And now you're going to go second off the bench. Should have plenty of uh, of bottom. And should be a much more fit today for Shug. The number five, Blockade. We'll make a win wager on Blockade. And maybe a, a horse to single in some of your exotics. As I think this horse feels like he should be around 2-1. to one. Let's go to race number eight at Gulfstream Park. The number four Pink Sands is interesting. I feel like there's a good amount of speed in this race. And Cookie Dough is probably the the speed that I like the most, who I feel like could hang around with the outside draw, might be able to kind of sit just off. I'm I'm against Baccarat fashion. Uh, Tweeting, I think, is going to be kind of caught in between in here based on the way this race shapes up on paper. So I'm looking for a horse who can come from off the pace a little bit. And I like Pink Sands who doesn't really have to be so far back, and we're going to be going again to Shug McGahee, who has a filly who likes Gulfstream Park and who has run well at this trip. If you look at some of the races where she's performed, not quite up to 
to top standards. She was behind Come Dancing, who was heavily favored that day and who was an easy winner. You see Golden Award, Wowcat, and She's a Julie, some classy horses uh, in the shoe V. And then the group that she faced at Churchill Downs to starts back is not bad. Go Google yourself, Moonlight Garden, My Lady Curlin. They're all quality fillies and mares. I think the third place effort last time out really wasn't bad. She was shuffled back to last at the start, she had to wait behind horses. She angled around to the five pass. She closed really well. She just missed second. Likes it here. Proven at the trip. I mean, possibly the one, two, six, eight, nine, and eleven could all be forwardly placed in here. And that should set up nicely for Pink Sands. The number four, Pink Sands, will make a win wager. If we can get anything around five to one. Let's go to race number nine. And we're gonna play the number three, Flavius. This one will go second start off the bench for Chad Brown, but she hadn't raced from October of eight of 2018 to November of 2019, and then she completely missed the break. She was a bit erratic heading into the first turn. She got stuck inside. She was bumped behind horses. She was 10th. She was like seven, eight lengths off, waiting for a seam, kept to the inside, was in very tight, basically skimming the rail. Finally was able to, to stretch his legs a, a, a bit late when he got some room, and that was his first start in over a year. Now he's going to go second off the bench. He gets five weeks to recover from that effort. Second time U.S., second time Chad Brown. Extra distance should only help. Source has proven at a mile and a quarter, so no issue uh, about getting the trip and just missed going a mile and an eighth in uh, in Ireland. The number three, Flavius, who I'm expecting to get bet down a little bit. Feels like this one should be around 7-2 to two or so. That's going to be our value line on Flavius, the number 3 in race number 9 at Gulfstream Park. Gulfstream Park race number 10. I gotta go to Bodie Express in here. Bodie Express, you know, you, this was the, the maiden who ran in the Kentucky Derby. He was the runner-up in the Florida Derby. But go through each of his career starts. His debut, he had trouble. Career start number two, behind an okay over-deliver. And then he's behind the really highly regarded Hidden Scroll, who was a monster winner that day. He was behind Chancelot, who we know is a very nice sprinter. And then he was behind Maximum Security, nothing wrong there. Bodie Express was involved in that trouble in the Kentucky Derby. And then in the Preakness, remember, he unseated the jock. And then he comes back in October. Didn't race from May to October, comes back and wins the Maiden Special 8. And then last time out was really impressive beating winners. He's run well here. I think his earlier form now, when you look back at it, it's not bad. Bodie Express. I think he's kind of like a now up-and-coming horse in a race that I really don't love anyone. If he can outrun Prince Lucky from the rail, could be tough to run down. And I think he can sit off a little bit if need be. So Bodie Express will be the play in race number 10. At Gulfstream Park. Four plays at Gulfstream Park. Fifth race, the number five, Blockade. Eighth race, the number four, Pink Sands. And ninth race, the number three, Flavius. Tenth race, the number six, Bodie Express. Final track for Saturday. We're going to go to Golden Gate. We have three plays for you over at Golden Gate. Get your past performances out for Golden Gate, December the 14th. Golden Gate, we're going to start in race number eight. Plays going to be in races eight, nine, and 11. In race number eight going to go to the four warm summer last time out she was down on Santa Anita on Breeders Cup weekend and she was in a tough group she hooked a horse named Ben studying her who's three for four and was dropping out of grade one company prior to that warm summer was racing pretty well in sprints up in northern California I like the fact that they're able to stretch out to a mile getting more distance should help this one and and I don't think she'll have to be so far back and and that'll help her just 
put get her into a good get her into a much better spot. I think just a repeat of the September 29th race would make her really tough in here. She was hooked really wide at the back of the pack and made a nice five wide move, but ended up flattening out a little bit late. Just a better trip, and, and she's right in the mix there. So let's go to Warm Summer, the number four. We'll make a win wager. And using all exotics, uh, we're hoping for at least three to one on warm summer. In race number nine, let's go to the number three. Jive top. got action in the debut and had a really tough start. Was squeezed back, lost a couple lengths, um, got stuck down on the inside, was in sixth, was four lengths off, then moved through and then angled around four deep. Was a clear cut second. It was a, a nice debut. There's plenty to build off that race and a barn that's really, really good. Jive talking looks like one of the major players in here. I think this one will be really, really tough. We will uh, use in all the exotics and make a win wager if we can get over 5-2. to two. Let's go to race number 11 for our final play at Golden Gate and our final Saturday play. The number 8, Hurley. Just put a complete line through the, the last effort. She was in a bit too tough. She was chasing slow fractions on the grass, and she was hooked three wide in a small field at the rear. The top two finishers were were second and first early, and they were just cruising along on the front end. And then just key off the form prior to that. What's wrong with the two-back effort? What's wrong with the grass race at Golden Gate in June? Faced too tough a, a group at Del Mar, came back and was fine at, at Golden Gate again on the grass. I just think Hurley... Um, Grass, synthetic, been pretty consistent overall with the performances now. He's been a little bit better on the turf. She's been a little bit better on the turf, but she's not been running in poor, she's not been running poorly on the synthetic. And I like the May race at Golden Gate on the synthetic. So we're going to give Hurley a, a big shot in here. I just think put a line through that last effort. Let's key off the two starts back race on October the 19th. Anything close to that. Makes Hurley very competitive in here. The number eight Hurley will use in exotics and make a win wager if we can get around six to one at Golden Gate there, number 11. So three plays at Golden Gate. Race eight, the number four, Warm Summer. Race nine, the number three, Jive Talking. And race 11, the number eight, Hurley. Let's get you to Sunday. We're going to have some Remington Park and some fairgrounds for Sunday. First up, let's start Remington Park. Past performance is out. We're going to get to race number five. So fifth race at Remington Park. Let's go to the number four. Oki Heater. You'll notice he his two losses have been to Rowdy Yates, who's going to be in the springboard mile later on the card. Oki Heater is cutting back from a mile to six and a half furlongs. That's going to be a huge cutback. He was up to press from the outside, but he just couldn't go on with Rowdy Yates last time out, and then he faded late. I thought the mile just seemed a little too far for him. Oki Heater on the cutback, the number four in here. We will use in all exotics. We'll make a win wager if we can get over five to two on Oki Heater. Let's move to race number nine, a race that we discussed with Craig Milkowski from Timeform US. If you uh, missed the interview from a little earlier, we have Craig Milkowski to talk uh, on to talk Remington Park, and we discuss races eight, twelve, and thirteen with Craig. In race number nine, the play for me is going to be the eight, Keatonville. Keatonville's coming off a runner-up effort against. Optional claimers right here. It was behind Rose of Malibu that day, a common rival in here. And she was working out a nice trip. She was in third. She was five behind the top two who were battling it out. And then somehow she got stuck 
inside, and it just wasn't the greatest ride, to be honest. She gets stuck inside. She has to wait for room at the top of the lane while Rose of Malibu gets a smooth trip up to the lead. Keatonville then angles in between around and was gaining on Rose of Malibu, who got the jump on her. Keatonville really came on late, and she kept trying when she didn't have to. I think with the smoother journey and maybe the outside draw will give her that, she has a big shot in here. Keatonville, the number eight. Let's use Keatonville, and we want around 10 to 1 on Keatonville for our win wager. Make sure to use Keatonville in all of your exotics there. Race number 11, let's go to the number 11, Cowboy Mischief. Cowboy Mischief broke well in the slop last time out, stalked from the two-path, moved to the lead, and just seemed to get a little bit tired late. Was a clear second that day, but is now back with Oklahoma Breds, and a slight turn back in distance I think could really help Cowboy Mischief. I'm going to use in all of the exotics in here. I think with the speed, has the opportunity to sit just off though and should be nice and fit, slightly cutting back. I don't think we'll be getting as tired late. That's the number 11. Number 11, Cowboy Mischief will make a win wager at 5-1. to one. The 12th race, I'm on the number 9, Shoplifted. I think the class of the field, and I'm willing to excuse the races at Santa Anita. I just think he's better. I'm going to give Shoplifted a big long look and make a win wager at 7-2. to two. I will use in the exotics with the number 4 answer in, the number 5 jungle runner, and then maybe on the bottom of the exotics with the Rowdy Yates who might not be good enough to win but maybe can hang around. So we'll use the 9 in there, Shoplifted, with the 3, 4, and the 5 in the exotics. And then the 13th race at Remington Park, let's go to the 3-year-old Sleepy Eyes Todd. I was super impressed with his... Oklahoma Derby. Yes, it was 40 to 1, but he had a legit shot in that race. And you can tell he showed speed and he was able to battle off a couple other challengers at the top of the lane. They lined up four across the track. He was battling a couple uh, uh, from the inside, which is generally the toughest spot to be. He had to deal with uh, other pressure and he battled. He was no match for Owendale, but hey, don't. No slouch there. Owendale came back to run in the Breeders' Cup Classic and, and he was actually second in the Grade 1 Clark. Um, not long ago, so Sleepy Eyes Todd lightly raced, a lot of upside, and you're facing a group of horses who might be a lot of them a little past their prime, or this is this isn't necessarily a spot that a lot of these horses were uh, were hoping to be in as you know legitimate graded stakes types. Whereas Sleepy Eyes Todd, this is a great spot for him. Sleepy Eyes Todd will use. And uh, and all the exotics, and we'll make a win wager if we can get you know anything around five to two. So the plays at Remington Park, race number five, Oki Heater. Race number nine, the number eight Keatonville. We want around ten to one there. The race number eleven, the number eleven Cowboy Mischief at five to one. And race number twelve, the number nine Shoplifted with the three, four, and five. Race thirteen, the number nine Sleepy Eyes Todd. Anything around five to two or so. Final plays for Sunday. We have three for you over at Fairgrounds. Get your December 15th past performance is out for Fairgrounds. Fairgrounds Sunday plays will start in race 6. So we have three plays for you. It'll be races 6, 7, and 8. Let's get right to race number 6. Made in special weights, traveling a mile and a 16th on the turf course. Let's go to the number 7, Melisani. In her debut, she was 5th. She was... she ended up, ended up finishing fourth. She was fifth early on. She ended up getting shuffled back a little bit, and she was chasing the six to five favorite Lucky Jingle. And the top three just went really slow, and they were cruising up front. They went 25 and 50 and one to the half mile on a yielding turf course at Laurel Park. Career start number two 
at Kentucky Down. She broke well, and then she was taken back on the outside. She was mid-pack. She was six lengths off, and she was chasing the 8-5 to five favorite who was loose on the lead and ends up winning that race. So in her two grass races going long, she was in really slow races early. She was chasing alone speed. She really didn't have a shot. And then last time out, Tried the dirt. I mean, just put a line right through the race. Never involved, obviously. Now comes here to fairgrounds. I think this is a great spot for Melisani and Michael Stidham to get the victory. We'll make a win wager on Melisani if we can get anything around 7-2 to there in race number 6. Let's go to race number 7, and we're going to go to the number 9. Keys to the Palace. Debut it was a fine start. was forced wide and then tried to tuck in and then had to take back when trying to get over and save some ground, was able to get up to third in the stretch, was no match for the winner who won by seven, and that's a horse who we mentioned over at at Fairgrounds on Saturday who we like finding agreement. But what I like about Keys to the Palace is he did show some ability and he ran in spots, and so I saw there were points in the race where it looked like he's still learning and figuring it out, but if he puts it all together, I think he has a major opportunity in here Keys to the Palace. We'll make a win wager if we can get anything around 7-2. to two. And the 8th race, the number 6, Libby Knows, going to be the play in here. If you look at her career and you go race by race, she has legitimate excuses for a couple of the races that she didn't run very well. Uh, let's do it. Go from the career debut. She's a winner, first time out. Then April 11th, she's uh, going long at Keeneland. Okay, easy excuse. Doesn't want to go long. May the 9th comes back, runs really well at Churchill Downs, then goes to the bench, comes back on July. In July, is a winner. Then at Indiana on August the 6th, was actually favored that day and was just in a really bad spot. She was battling in between horses. All three of them went for the lead. She was kind of bumped around. She was in tight, just never really seemed comfortable, kind of getting pinballed back and forth. September the 5th, Ran over that really weird Kentucky Downs racetrack, and that was going six and a half furlongs. That is not an easy distance for a horse who we see like Libby Knows, who's much better at around five and a half furlongs. Six and a half at Kentucky is a really, really deep course. And then last time out, hooks a horse named Stillwater Cove, who was dropping out of three straight graded stakes races. This is a much better spot for Libby Knows. A little fresh here for Larry Jones. Um, last race on October the 13th So you have a couple month break in here I think Libby Knows is going to fire a big one With uh, Sophie Doyle aboard Libby Knows will make a win wager If we can get anything around 4-1 to one. So the play is for Fairgrounds For Sunday, December the 15th 6th race, the number 7 Melisani 7th race, the number 9 Keys to the Palace And the 8th race, the number 6 Libby Knows Let's close things out with the NFL plays, I'm just gonna quickly go mention uh, the lines and all the games this week, and then we'll we'll dive into um, our plays and give you uh, the reasons why we like who we like. Okay, week 15, we had the Thursday night game where the Ravens beat up on the Jets, and the Ravens just continue their dominance. To start uh, on Sunday, Seattle is a six and a half point favorite at Carolina. Over under is 48 and a half in here. I stay away. Eileen Seattle, they have a lot to play for now after losing to the Rams. They have to win their next couple games and then hope to to beat San Francisco to secure a first-round bye and to win the division. Otherwise, they're going to have to go on the road if they uh, and, and have a playoff game at maybe Dallas or, or Philly, whoever wins the NL East. Over-under is 48.5 there. No real strong play for me in the Seattle-Carolina game. If I, I would lean Carolina at home if you could get it up to like 7, a touchdown. But at, at under 7, 
Uh, I think Seattle wins the game. I just no real strong play in there. Kansas City minus ten against the Broncos. The over under is forty five and a half in here. This is going to be one of my plays this week. I like the Broncos plus the ten. Uh, I don't want to go any lower than that. I'm not taking nine and a half. I'm not taking nine. You have to get plus ten or plus ten and a half. We were lucky to get above ten, and uh, it, it moved down a little bit to ten. The Broncos are five and one against the spread in their last six. They are five and one against the spread in their last six as an underdog. They are four and one against the spread in their last five as a road underdog. They're not a flashy team, the Broncos, but they have a good defense, and and Locke played really really well in in his two games so far. Kansas City now, their defense is actually playing much better, and I think Mahomes is still a little bit banged up. We're not seeing the the Patrick Mahomes that we saw last year or even early on this year. I, I don't think that means Kansas City is going to lose this game. I just think this game is going to be a little bit closer. It's a divisional game. The Broncos seem like they've figured something out. Uh, they're 5-4 and four in their last nine after the really slow start to the year. So let's go with the Broncos. Make sure you have to get it, though, in the double digits. So I, I don't want to take it underneath the double digits because I do think Kansas City still wins this game. But uh, if, if you know we can get 10.5 or 10 and we can be up you know down 17 or, or down 16 and get a backdoor late, I, I think that, that's a big opportunity. So Broncos plus the 10. It has to be at least the 10. Packers, you can get minus 4.5. It's 5 somewhere against the Bears. Over-under is 40.5. This one has moved down a little bit of Chicago, but I, I like Green Bay in here. I'm going to be a little public this week. Generally, I'm not on a lot of the teams that are like getting a lot of the public backing, but I, I, I do. You know the public doesn't always lose, and I, I think there are a few spots this week that I, I really like, in, in, including one of these with Green Bay. They're 24-15-2 against the spread as a home favorite. Uh, they're four and three in, in their their last sample. They're four and three this year. They are six and zero against the spread. In their last six, following and against the spread loss, they didn't cover last week, and they're six and zero in situations like this, following the against the spread loss. They're five and one against the spread versus teams with winning records. Trubisky is playing really well, so I think teams are going to see Chicago and think they may be uh, playing at their absolute best. But they're zero and four against the spread in their last four road games. Still, I'm going with Green Bay in here. Look around for four and a half. I don't want to take like. Like five is okay. I, I don't want to be anywhere near the touchdown, but if we can get under six, we're going to go with the Packers in minus the uh, the four and a half. Patriots minus the 10 at the Bengals. Over under in this game is 41 and a half. Just a note that under is six one and one against the spread in their last. I'm just going to stay away because I could see the Patriots having a get right game here where they really beat up on the Bengals. But keep in mind, the Patriots haven't been playing well. If you told me the Bengals covered this game as a home dog of 10, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think they win the game, uh, but I could see this going either way. So no strong opinion on that one for me. In the Titans-Texans game, I do have an opinion, and I'm going to go to the Texans plus the three in here. The Texans are 7-12 and against the spread recently as a home favorite. They are 1-5 this year as a home favorite. They're just bad as a home favorite. Last week, we played Denver against the Texans. We thought it was a bad spot for the Texans coming off that big New England win the week before, and Houston was really, really flat. It was a, a tough game and a tough spot for them because they had the big game against New England, then they played Denver, and then they have the big game coming up, two big games really remaining with Tennessee. So I think this is the, the situation where I like Deshaun Watson a lot more. They're 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven following a double-digit loss at home. They're 8-2-1 and one against the spread in their last 11 following an against-the-spread loss. And they're 5-2 and two in their last seven against the spread as an underdog. 
The Titans have won six of seven. Everybody's jumping on the Titans bandwagon right now. Tannehill's looked awesome. They're going to have a game where things just don't hit on all cylinders for them. And I think this is going to be the game. Henry's a little bit banged up. If Tannehill has to do a little too much for them, maybe he gets into some trouble. Now, the Texans' defense is not great. I think this is just going to be a back-and-forth close game, and I'm going to go with uh, with Watson late and the Texans. Plus the three wouldn't talk you off a, a money-line play here either on the uh, on the Texans. The Giants are three to three-and-a-half-point favorite against Miami. Over-under is 46-and-a-half. If you see the three-and-a-halves out there anywhere, snatch it up. We're lucky to do so earlier in the week. It's a short week for the Giants. Eli's going to be playing again for them. They had to go to overtime last week also, so a short week in a game that went a little bit longer. And now you're playing against the Miami team who's been hungry as of late. They've covered seven of their last nine games. I think Flores has done a great job with them. You look at their first four games, they were miserable, but now they're they're playing much, much better. The Giants' D is awful. It looks like Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson are both going to be playing for Miami. They both practiced in full on Friday. That means there's two playmakers there that I don't know who can stop, uh, who on the Giants can stop. So let's go with Miami plus the three or the three and a half. I wouldn't want to take anything uh, less than that. You want to get the field goal at least. And if you look around for that three and a half and snatch it up, if you can find it. Eagles minus five at Washington over under 39. I'm going to stay away from the two NFC East games. I mean, I would lean Eagles in here. You think they need to win, but they've just played so bad lately. They're so banged up. They have nobody out there at wide receiver in a lot of the skill positions. And Wentz has not looked good. Still, they're they're tied for a division win. Uh, and if they can't beat Washington, they don't deserve to go to the playoffs. They really don't. And they got their big game coming up with Dallas next week. I'm staying away from that game. Also going to stay away from Tampa. They're a three and a half point favorite at Detroit. Over under is 46 in there. No real strong opinion either way in that one. It seems like Tampa, I've been on the wrong side of the last four or five weeks, so I'll stay away from them for at least this week. The Browns are minus three at Arizona. Arizona killed us last week. I mean, Kyler Murray was awful. He had an opportunity to win that game multiple times. It wasn't the Pittsburgh defense that was making him turn the ball over. He threw an interception when he had the opportunity to run right in the end zone, and it was just a bad pick. He he really hurt us. That was the a game that kind of swung our week uh, last week as we had them uh, in money line. Staying away from this one. Vikings, I think it's minus one and a half, two at the Chargers. Over under there is 45. This is another game that's a little bit public. Uh, weird, but at minus one and a half, minus two, like anything under three, I like the Vikings in here. We're talking about a Chargers team who is coming off of a win against the Jags where they had their most points of the year, their highest total offense, and the most first downs that they've had all year. But now they're coming home. They don't really have a home field advantage. I wouldn't be shocked if we see a lot of Vikings fans show up here. The Vikings have a ton to play for right now. They're still in the mix for a a division win, and they're in the mix for a wild card right now with the Rams breathing down their neck. I'm going to the Vikings. They're 11-5-1 against the spread in their last 17 uh, as a favorite. They're possibly going to get Adam Thielen back. Vikings, one of the plays. Raiders minus 6.5 against the Jags, over under 45.5. I'm staying away from this game. I mean, talk about, I don't know how the Raiders are favored by 6.5 over anyone. It's the last game uh, at home. People are discussing that. But they have just not showed up. The Jags look like they packed it in a while ago. I like this team, and they were 4-4 early in the year. Uh, I'm staying away from this one. 
49ers are an 11 point favorite against the Falcons. This is a bad spot for the 49ers. They're banged up. They they don't you know, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to get pumped up for this game, but maybe they do because of the uh, the Shanahan factor and um the 49ers are a really really good football team. I'm going to stay away from playing against them for the, the next couple weeks. Um I wouldn't be shocked if if the 49ers win this game by 10 in kind of a like a lackluster just we're better than you game but I have no I'm I'm not going to play this game I'm not going to lean either way um I just think the 49ers are really really good and I'm I'm sick of getting beat by them the last couple of weeks Rams are now the favorite at Dallas it's minus one and a half and the over under is 48 and a half I mean I don't know how you could lean to Dallas from a gambling standpoint this is a great time to bet Dallas because you're getting a lot of value I'm just going to stay away though I've expected Dallas to bounce back One of these last few weeks You just assumed they would show up and have a good game And they don't And I think maybe this team doesn't want to play for for Garrett anymore Which is amazing Because they are in line for a home playoff game right now I'm staying away from Rams-Dallas I'm going to play the Bills in the the Steelers-Bills game The Steelers are, I think, a two You can I think it's getting It's down now to like a one, one and a half um, Steelers over the Bills Uh over-under is 35-and-a-half, a Sunday night football game. The weather's supposed to be really, really cold. Uh, I like the Bills in here. The Bills played Lamar Jackson about as well as you could play, and Josh Allen just struggled, and they were unable to move the ball. They still had an opportunity to tie the game late. I really like the way that they played overall, and now it's going to be another cold-weather game where you're going to have the Steelers and the Bills going back and forth, and I'm going to take uh, Josh Allen over the Duck Man, Duck Hodges in this situation. I mean, the Steelers could have lost last week against Arizona. They should have lost against the Colts when Vinatieri missed the field goal late. We're talking about a Bills team who is 4-0-1 against the spread in their last five as a road dog. They are 6-0-1 against the spread in their last seven road games. They are 5-1 against the spreads versus teams with a winning home record. These are both two of the top five defenses in the league. It's going to be low scoring, but I'm going to lean towards the Bills in here who have not been turning the ball over a ton. That's what Pittsburgh's able to do, get you to turn the ball over a lot. Well, the Bills aren't turning the ball over a lot, and if they continue to just hold on to the ball, run the ball, Josh Allen make a play or two here and there, I think the Bills are the better team there. And then the uh, the Monday night game, it's the Saints minus 9 against the Colts over under in uh, this one is 46 and a half. No real strong opinion. I would lean Colts keeping this game close. The Saints haven't been very good as a home favorite as of late. Um, and they're coming off a, a tough game where they were up to play the 49ers. They could be a little flat this week against a, a Colts team who has just a, a small opportunity left. I would lean Colts in this game, but I, I'm not going to make it one of my plays. So the plays for this week. Let's go Packers. Anything Packers minus five or less is fine. I, I don't want to go higher than that. Let's go Broncos plus the 10. We're going to go... Texans plus the three, Miami plus the three, Vikings minus the two, and the Bills plus the two. Best of luck, folks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of That's What G Said. Big thank you to the guests um, this week. Thanks to Michael. Thanks to Andrew. Thanks to Craig. And we will be having a lot more guests now on uh, That's What G Said. I've been tinkering with a lot of the equipment, so hopefully the sound quality is a little bit better. New microphone, got a little screen, and uh, we're uh, we're just 
improving and want to constantly give you all the best product possible. If you can, head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to uh, all the places where you get your podcast. That's what G said. We'll have a couple episodes for you next week. Next week, we're going to have a lot of TV show discussions. We're going to be talking about the best Christmas movies and and the bracket, and then we're going to go through The Mandalorian, Episodes 5 and 6, Shameless, Episodes 4 and 5, The Morning Show, we're going to talk about Episodes 6, 7, 8, and 9, Silicon Valley, the finale, I'm going to try to convince Stephanie, Uh, Moody Family Christmas, which I've been a big fan of, We'll, we'll break that down, it's on Fox, make sure to go check it out, and then go watch Home for Christmas on Netflix, we'll also be discussing that, so tons of TV show discussions, I got my homework, uh, all set for the weekend. I'm going to be watching and taking notes of all these great shows along with the great sports. Hope your holiday season is going well. Don't forget about the the sponsors. Make sure to support them. SarahCandles.com. Make sure to use that promo code GINO. Cindy Carava, full service realtor, and Thrive Fantasy, promo code GINO. Gets you the bonus for that one. Have a great weekend, folks. So you-